Good evening, everybody. Today is Monday, October 12th. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day for Forward Maryland. This is Bill Woodcock. And I'm Jason Booms. And we are pleased this evening to uh, have with us a return guest to the program. He is a candidate for the Howard County Board of Education uh, for District 1. Um, he is Matthew Moyet. Matthew, welcome back to the show. Hi, Bill. It's good to be here. And I, I thank you for uh, taking your time out 22 scant days before the election and about 10 days, give or take, before early voting starts in Howard County and throughout Maryland. Um, you know, I, I know we, we talked uh, uh, back in the early phases of the pandemic, back in the spring, um, so um, I guess the first place to start is tell us how are things been going these last few months? Well, it's been ex extremely busy, um, but tonight was a good time to make time for this since we're now after dark and it's been an awful uh, nasty rain there. Um, leading up till today, most of my evenings have been uh, at pushing walking neighborhoods, like right up until as long as I felt uh, comfortable. It was mostly like, am I going to encounter an angry uh, household for approaching their uh, porch in the dark to leave literature? And I've been risking it and it hasn't been a problem yet. Uh, but today with this weather, it was a good time to uh, take a little break, have a chat. Well, we're glad you're here. And, and, and so tell us a little bit about that experience, about getting out to uh, walking in, in neighborhoods and in, in your community, especially since uh, the differences between you and your opponent are, are so stark in terms of your visions for uh, Howard County Public Schools. How, how have you been received? I've been received uh, quite well. Um, one household I got uh, confronted about my uh, statements regarding uh, school resource officers and uh, folk, or the gal I was talking to was concerned. She pointed to her son's car in the driveway and told me that he was a police officer. And as such, that seemed to carry an implication of where she would stand on the issue. Mm -hmm. um, and I found the implication um, disappointing because my issues with uh, school resource officers um, stem not from a problem with police. Um, and it's more a philosophy of education. Um, and our schools are full of students that are learning how to be adults and people. Um, a big part of the learning process, whether at school or anywhere else in your teenage years, is mistakes. <laughs> lots and lots of mistakes. I'm sure uh, both of you can remember that from your times. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> right. But uh, I, since our students will be making uh, mistakes, a lot of them, uh, dealing with the impulses of teenage years and all that, 
we need an education system that is aware and prepared for that. We need to uh, approach concerns as discipline, not criminal matters, and with an eye towards um, helping students learn from their encounters and grow to be uh, better and well-adjusted people. Um, having a, uh, a badged officer in the school where according to our memorandum, their primary duty is to um, enforce the law, ends up running very counter to providing education to our students. Um, so that, that encounter out in the driveway had uh, left me disappointed there because I, it implied that a concern about um, whether we're criminalizing school behavior turns into a negative animus towards police officers in general. And that, that was a disappointing exchange. And sadly, I can't uh, report back that I believe I've changed her mind into becoming a Maliette voter. Well, well, as, uh, as our comptroller, Peter Franchot would say, you can put her down as undecided. <laughs> and so given as, as uh, that's one story, uh, and as opposed to I'm sure you've been to uh, thousands of homes in, in your district, um, that I would say that that's, that's not too bad. And uh, it's also, I find that refreshing and nice to uh, have somebody who, who's not afraid to spend some time with people with whom he may not agree. I, I think that's terrific, if, if only everybody did the same. Uh, sorry for the little bit of editorializing. I will penalize myself by passing the ball over to my to my esteemed co-host, Mr. Booms. Oh, thank you, Bill. Um, Matthew, I have a question for you. I mean, and this may help um, some of our maybe new viewers or, or listeners. Uh, maybe they didn't catch your first show for whatever reason. Uh, but, you know, since now you're 40% you're of the way to being in the five-timers club, and, and the robes are fantastic, by the way. You're going to love them. Um, one thing I've noticed when talking about the Board of Education, uh, and just thinking electorally every four years, um, an issue comes up or two issues come up. Sometimes they're of critical importance. Sometimes they're a bit more ephemeral or based on situational elements. For example, now redistricting is, is a huge part of the conversation, an important issue. Uh, the role of SROs, an important issue. But it seems as though oftentimes we get very, shall we say, reactive boards. They're elected, they come in, maybe they serve a term, they sort of deal with the immediate issue in front of them, but they often don't seem well equipped to deal with the ongoing day-to-day -day situations that, that are facing Howard County Public Schools. Uh, so I just wanted to you know, give you a chance to be a bit more proactive and think about sort of what your vision is. Maybe you want to compare it to the incumbent's vision. And, and just, you know, why do you think you're the better choice for the entirety of, of a full term uh, serving on the Board of Education from the first district? Yeah, your, uh, your first description about how boards came in, uh, that reminded me strongly of the election that had brought my opponent onto the board. Uh, there was that very reactive push to removing the superintendent. And they came in and, well, it happened. But for the duration of her term, there has been a real lack of 
addressing the concerns of the school day to day. Um, over that term, they've revisited and actually tried to find answers and solutions to the redistricting question twice with the first time completely kicking the can down the road. And then the second time having, well, the process that we saw come out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that really highlights what I feel that I can bring uh, most effectively to the board is that um, in my professional life and in my approach to uh, parenting and co-parenting with my uh, spouse is problems get solved best by teams and teams that participate. Um, following the, uh, the removal of that superintendent, what we've seen is a long chain of just no responses, not just in the votes, but in uh, the approach to the problem solving um, from our district one incumbent. Mm -hmm. And that's not how I see approaching problems. Um, we need to, at the beginning of it, it, collect all of our information so that everybody on the team can look through and find where the suggestions they can make to advance it. Um, can they help refine each other's suggestions and uh, cooperate and compromise and work through always moving forward um, till the final point of having a solution that we all agree is an advancement and then we sign on and then we announce that this is what we're doing and we stick to it and we follow through and when you ask me in three years um, what is something that my board has accomplished that I agree with I'm going to have three years worth of uh, problems that we've approached that I'll be able to point to any of them for you because I will stand by what I did and what my team did and I'll be proud of it because I will have participated in it. I do have one follow up, uh, but just because you specifically raised the issue of uh, being a parent. And I, I think what we've seen in some races in the cycle has been a attempted co-option of what it means to be a parent and parents uh, favor these candidates and parents don't like those candidates, but you're an actual parent. Uh, <laughs> you've got kids. When you think about Howard County schools, um, you know, what are you most, you know, concerned about, you know, for, for, for your kids, for the, for the friends uh, of, of your kids? Um, you know, what, what do you see as maybe perhaps uh, lacking in the system that's desperately needed to ensure that your children will receive a quality education? Yeah. Um, one, I would not presume to uh, uh, feel that I could speak for parents as a class. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no way I could put together a single class that is going to be more diverse or more spread in their views and opinions than parents. Um, but as your uh, follow-on went uh, at regarding my status as a parent and mm -hmm. what I've experienced, I can speak to. 
Um, and as far as issues that influence the day-to-day -day of our students and uh, my family and the families that I discuss with, um, what ends up impacting the kids is how we handle bullying and the, the general approach to uh, discipline and providing for uh, the needs of the kid. Uh, because uh, when they're on their bus, that's a chance where it's one adult with a dedicated role and then the students have a chance to uh, really get in and interact as they will, um, which is unfortunately a uh, fertile ground to be able to experience uh, bullying and interact with it. Um, that's a case that uh, both my kids so far, as they've gone through elementary school, have had uh, significant bullying incidents on the bus because that uh, the environment is uh, far too conducive to allowing for kids to get into what they will. So it ends up being, how do we respond to bullying when it has happened? How do we report it, track it, make sure to follow up on it? Mm -hmm. And our experience through two elementary schools and there have been, um, our principals seem uh, concerned, mm -hmm. competent, and they focus on it uh, quite nicely, and mm -hmm. including like looking into it farther. And instead of dealing with the baseline, what happened right here, uh, they do follow up with uh, the children involved to mm -hmm. see what can they do really for them mm -hmm. and uh, address underlying issues rather than just the encounter, which is an important part of dealing with bullying. Mm -hmm. uh, rarely is the encounter at the time where the real story is. And you raise a very good point on bullying. I'm just, uh, which is another uh, fantastic and, and, and highly salient issue. Um, but instead of thinking about your race for a quick moment uh, and the Board of Education in general, now that we're you know, moving to a, a combination of district-based plus at-large seats, um, this election is so incredibly important uh, because it, it, it has the potential to have the, sort of the balance of power decided as functionally a, a progressive or conservative majority on Howard County's uh, Board of Education. So just thinking about basic uh, principles um, I'm not whether you want to go with uh, a science-based perspective or versus non-science-based. Um, are there other key points of differentiation that you that you think really um, would identify stark differences between you and your opponent? Me and my opponent uh, differ significantly on approaches to inclusion and support for all of our students. Um, yeah, I'd, one really needs to look no farther than uh, the carry questionnaire and grading to see how well, we prioritize 
actually focusing on and meeting the needs of uh, student groups that uh, had face um, significant uh, attention or systemic uh, barriers mm -hmm. to see that uh, my grade A of being able to accept and affirm our students and staff uh, for who they are versus her grade F about uh, really her questionnaire deferred everything to just discussion of what policies are recorded rather than being willing to take a stand or state that affirming and supporting our students and staff is important. Um, we see the same thing in the conversation um, that we recently had with uh, one of the forums. Uh, might have been League of Women Voters or no, it was the Jack and Jill organization mm -hmm. conversation. Uh, they asked the question regarding uh, known uh, racial disparities in um, suspension rate and uh, discipline and arrest data. And they cited what the data had looked like in 2016. They cited how the trends had changed in that data up until 2018. And with clear, just stark clear problems in um, racial disparities for suspension, arrest, and discipline that we've observed. And what we have observed is in collected data. We have it, we know it's a problem. Then the question was about how do we go forward addressing it? And, and when it came time for my opponent to respond, her response as is her uh, common pattern across most of what the Board of Education does at the time they need to make a decision is we need to stop and collect data about this. The problem with, that was presented to us was this is the problem we have. We can see it because it is in the data. We have the data that shows this problem exists. Do you care to address it? And how might you do that? And instead of taking a stand or suggesting any changes, she deferred to instead ask for more data. Mm -hmm. And asking for data and getting that in place is a first step in the process. It can't be the last step. And it gets brought up by my opponent to shut down, defer, delay, and obstruct. And my approach to problem solving is yes, identify and collect the data. But once you have it, then you look on at it, you act on it, you find out, you start brainstorming, what are the solutions that we can do to change and reverse these trends? Mm -hmm. Having the data collection is great because that means we can see what the outcome is. We can continue to monitor it as things change as our activity goes in, we can then follow up and see, are we having the changes that we're trying? But data collection 
at the next point, it's a monitoring step. It's no, not the decision making. Uh, well, I was it said, I was going to say, sorry, it does seem to be a case where uh, this is a deliberate strategy that's being employed by your opponent, as opposed to actually wanting to seek out uh, thoughtful responses to solutions that uh, may actually impact our schools. It's, it's very frustrating see, seeing someone uh, who is acting in, in, in such a way where, I mean, the, the entire purpose appears to be to be sort of an obstructionist rather than get anything done. Um, but, and again, I'm just sort of going off my own rant for a minute, and I apologize for that. I know, Bill, you had a question. Yeah, well, I'm kind of feeding off of that, Matthew. I mean, you know, um, I'll count myself amongst the various people who supported all three of the Board of Education candidates who were elected in 2016, because I did. Um, but while I can say that I saw Mavis Ellis and Kirsten Coons develop over those four years. I have not seen that development and growth from Christina Delmont Small. And you bring up one of those areas, and Jason was just talking about it, which is this incessant call for quote unquote data, uh, which seems to be a, a buzzword, and it seems to also be a buzzword this year, not just in the District 1 race, but in others. Um, you know, and, and data in the Howard County public school system seems to be, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the mail truck, you know, and, and, and you know, the, your opponent is the dog who, you know, she catches it. Uh, what's she going to do with it? So, um, you know, this, this is kind of the problem I have here with this person. Um, so how do you respond to those who say that you are, you know, you are simply somebody, you're a progressive candidate, uh, you've made no, no qualms about that, um, but how do you respond to those who say that um, you're just going to be a rubber stamp for some Democratic politicians or for the teachers union because in the time that we talked tonight and in the time we talked back in the spring, I find lots of, of unique thought and, and uh, you know, really uh, independent viewpoints and ways of looking at things. Um, sorry, the thing I'd like to first address there and it, if you can edit out of the question and the answer, that'd be fine as well. Uh, but the choice- Matthew, uh, your, your sound is coming in very low. <laughs> the, the, the choice there to um, had use the animal metaphor, um, I'm not sure is a good, um, it, it's not a good step in the discourse of, uh, a political uh, conversation. Um, oh, I would agree. It's not my well, usage. It's it's usage that I have seen in many a uh, high uh, place of high discourse, including social media. So I apologize for any offense, not intention. I I understand that. I wanted a chance to just express the disappointment about that. Um, 
but honestly, I, I sort of got hung up on that <laughs> as with the rest of the, the long aspect of the question. Um, could you prompt me what the actual question was again? Uh, Matthew, I'm still having a lot of problems hearing you. Uh, could you repeat this uh, summary of the question? Well, uh, my my uh, my my question was was how how do you respond to to those who would just say that you would be a, a voice for politicians? Yeah. Yes. The question of am I a rubber stamp? Um, I guess the first thing I can point to uh, to discuss that is I'd, I've been endorsed and supported by state's attorney, Rich Gibson. Um, and we've also already discussed today my view and a position on school resource officers. And I can tell you from conversing with him to get his uh, experience and perspective and he has made clear on uh, various other forums and at places on social media that his view is not my view. <laughs> but after discussing and conversing with him about it, he was able to support me and endorse me uh, despite that uh, very significant uh, policy difference because he can look at how I approach problems, how I think through, and will uh, serve as a useful member on the Board of Education, uh, despite not having agreement on policy there. Um, one of the attacks that I've seen come up to try to uh, smear me has been that in the past when I've uh, expressed my issue or my position and concerns on issues of national policy was that uh, it didn't fall lockstep into the Democratic Party and that was being presented as a uh, smear against me by the same channels that were advertising that the problem with me was that I was willing to acknowledge I was a Democrat. Um, so I found that to be an interesting choice that, uh, that one of the main ways to smear me is that I am a Democrat. And then the other way to smear me is showing that I will hold Democrats responsible and not fall lockstep with the party. Um, so honestly, that has been a bit of a uh, confusing mixed message that I'm seeing. I'm, trying to uh, really gauge what is it that my opponents see as my weakness? Is it that I'm a dedicated Democrat or is it that I, uh, I can't follow the Democratic pack? So it, it's been an interesting bit of messaging to follow. So I, I guess I'll defer to my opponents to uh, confirm that I won't be a rubber stamp of the Democrats because as they've seen, that's been my, uh, my background and record. Well, I'm, I'm, I for one am glad that that you're true to your background. I, I I think that's a terrific thing. 
and I'm, I'm sorry because I'm doing all this I, when I'm not on camera because I am trying to listen. Jason tells me the sound is coming through loud and clear on his end, but there's something up with my phone at the moment. So, yeah. Um, but, but the other thing along those lines, um, and, and I will also commend you because I do not see you jumping into those uh, turf wars on social media. So I, I, I also commend you for not for not uh, for not uh, lowering yourself to that kind of level. I did think it fair to to ask if if you know your thoughts or or any sort of response. But I mean, you know, getting back to what I asked before about um, you know your your experiences knocking on doors. I mean, you know, this whole thing about the Board of Education being a nonpartisan race, I mean, I, I've opined on that many times. Not going to waste the time. Um, but, um, you know, the people who it matters are the people who are voting. I mean, is there any, like, you know, what what's the temperature of, of people whose doors you come to? Do they care? whether you're Democrat, Republican, whatever? Well, I'd generally first, let me address um, what my canvases in the neighborhoods have been. It has been primarily contactless uh, literature um, uh, distribution because we are in a uh, pandemic. We're in a health emergency. There's a... Uh, significant and damaging virus still passing through our community. And I won't force anybody into a uh, unexpected close conversation with a stranger that they're not prepared for. Um, so I have spoken with people when I've been out, um, when I approach and they're already outside and they're available to have a conversation from 10 to 12 feet away. Um, but most houses that I go to, I just leave my information so they can go and look up and just have that little prompting to go further educate themselves about the race. Um, that said, out of the people that I've spoken to, uh, I have been asked multiple times about what party am I with or am I affiliated with? myself and the people that have asked, they've been very receptive to the fact that I'm a Democrat. Um, that is something that's openly messaged by my campaign, even though it is a nonpartisan office, uh, because as part of preparing for this, I went out and I've talked to and I've involved people that have participated in school board elections before, I wanted to know, oh, how does this campaigning work? Does it, how does it happen? I went out of my way to educate myself on running for Board of Education, as you do. Um, and what I got back, what I found is that, especially in 2018, when Board of Education canvassers were able to knock on the door and talk directly to people, uh, on demand as they're going around. A very common question from the voter, it was, what's their party? Who's the Democrat? 
this is something that the voting public wants to know. And in, when you're campaigning in 2020 and you don't have the ability to engage everybody in real-time conversations, you have to anticipate their questions and answer them. Because if you're not going to have a chat with most people, then the only way you're going to answer their questions is if you're upfront about it. So my campaign has been upfront with my values, with my goals, and with my party affiliation. Because these are the things that voters have been shown to want to know. They want to know who you are, what you're going to do, and who do you choose to affiliate with. I do have one follow-up. Sorry, Bill, if you don't, if you don't mind me. Just, oh, no, go just, ahead. I was going to pass the ball over to you anyway. We have about 10 to 15 minutes left. Yeah, I was just – well, you already gave us an example of one of the more challenging conversations a candidate can have when they're out meeting voters. And, by the way, I'm elated to hear you're not out there actually tackling folks or trying to bring them inside. I, I, don't, I don't think anyone <laughs> thought that. Well, that's what I heard. That's what, that's what I'm hearing. Well <laughs> – Howard County Neighbors United is not reputable. <laughs> I live and breathe by everything Steve Keller says. Um, but, uh, I mean, yes, voters ultimately get to decide what's truly important. And, uh, but I'm just curious, in your conversations you, you may have had with them, in passing, socially distanced, however appropriate, maybe it's a Zoom meeting. Um, can you think of any uh, examples of a really positive conversation where you walked away just feeling a little bit energized and uplifted? I'm like, you met someone who really cares about the schools and they gave you some, some really good advice. Anything, you can, anything that comes to mind? Well, I had uh, one conversation uh, very recently that after our initial exchange and a very pleasant uh, uh, separation, it was in a townhouse community. So I went and I lit dropped on the next door and was still within reasonable speaking distance with the gentleman. And he asked about well, whether I'd be able to reach out to uh, the federal government about getting more money into education. He, he intended it as a, a, a humorous toss out, um, but it gave me a good op opportunity to go into the question of what else does the Board of Education do besides writing policy? And a big aspect of the Board of Education ends up being the fact that that their elected officials uh, within the community that are tasked with the subject of education. And one of the things they can do with that is go on and advocate and communicate with the other elected bodies. That they do approve the superintendent's budget, but they also have um, the weight of the seat in the office supporting them to go out and directly contact and lobby to the county council to explain the needs. I'd talk beyond the budget and convince them um, to fund the school as we need. The same with our state delegation and our congressional delegation. Uh, so what started out as a, uh, a, a humorous, humorous callback from him led to a deeper conversation about 
about how we can approach uh, school funding and how the Board of Education needs to interact with all these other bodies, um, which is why I'm very pleased to be setting up in this, uh, this race going into taking the position and with existing relationships of, uh, I have uh, three state delegates uh, within my donor list. I've received uh, endorsements from had three, uh, three uh, delegates, uh, two state senators. Uh, these are the people that actually fund our schools. So with a pre-existing relationship and their support that, uh, that will play well in the future when I need to then take the budget that we've approved and passed and go and contact them and discuss it. Um, and the, the second part of that conversation on the street there ended up getting into the question of how do we educate? What, what is the philosophy that, that our school and our education system all the way up um, approaches? And unfortunately, a lot of our national approach to education and as it bleeds down through the levels it continues is it's set up to address the labor needs from the late 19th century early 20th century where we yeah want to bring our students into adulthood with a basic level of education and the solid ability to then go in to do, take a job where they perform a task by rote, uh, repeatedly carry out their career there. And that's what provides the needs of their community. That's what their job demands of them. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately in the middle of the 20th century and especially toward the end, we've removed most of those jobs, we've shipped them out and our education system still well, pushes too much into that. Whereas what our, our new adults need to do is they need to be better able to understand and assess media and the information sources they bring in and the critical thinking required for that because uh, the jobs and further careers that they're going to go into, so for very few of them, will it be memorize a task list and then perform this task by rote for the next 30 years, and that will be your job because so many of those tasks have left and we need those post-secondary educations. So we need to, our secondary schooling our high schools focusing on and directing the the critical thinking the learning how to learn so that afterwards they can then go on to their additional training that will get them into a role that will provide a career mm -hmm. um, whether that's for vocations that that have to be done where they are or our welders, our pipe fitters, our 
our constructions, our trades are like vocational school paths. And we can't outsource any of those. That will continue to provide jobs and careers in the future, but it's a second level of education past high school. Mm-hmm. So what the high school needs to be putting them out with is having the mindset ready to learn those next steps or mm-hmm. go into it. And we've got the, uh, the professional paths on the other side of a college degree, which again, the high school needs to put them forward, ready to learn, ready to think critically, look into, understand uh, authorial intent and be able to figure out how to, uh, how to evaluate their information sources, make it through this world of news and especially the sorts of stuff that come through on social media, how to filter through that and pluck out what's important so that they can continue on in uh, our society. Mm-hmm. And it's a realignment that locally, statewide, and nationally, our education system needs to do a better job directing because a high school diploma is not the end and it hasn't been the end for a very long time now. And we need to ensure that that coming out of that, our students can see where to be able to make their plans and move forward Mm -hmm. instead of thinking that one, there's a one size fits all solution or that they can just jump right into their career as uh, their parents or, well, (laughs) we've got a lot of millennial parents now. So it's even their older aunts and uncles and their grandparents did uh, because we've had a big lag in education and ending that conversation and was a, a good one because before he'd made the humorous uh, question about how will you reach out to Congress to get us money? Mm-hmm. He had a, listened to the elevator speech, accepted the card and was, thank you. I, I'm definitely going to go read up and dig into this and getting a chance to then talk about uh, thinking about education and how we can move forward. Mm-hmm. He ended, he was very positive and he's like, you won me over. I'm looking forward to my ballot now. Oh, fantastic. Um, I, I do have one more question I, I, I want to ask before turning it back to Bill. And I think this is a really nice spot for it. Uh, this, uh, you've already talked about, um, you know, your, your uh, closeness to some, some local democratic activists uh, and officials, which obviously is a, an important part of the job and being able to have that relational element where you're talking to other policymakers. Uh, but um, just thinking about local organizations for a minute, um, obviously a lot of grassroots support uh, from individuals as well as local community groups, understanding that they're all important, and I get that. Uh, is there one uh, community endorsement that really is meaningful to you on a personal level that you'd like to talk about for a second? Well, well I guess I'll just talk about the... Uh, the newest piece of news. I was very pleased this morning to uh, go to my email and there was a, a 
an email out to the membership of the Howard County branch of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it was uh, ever directly publicly broadcast by them. I, I received it as being a member of the local chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had it, the recommendations to the membership of, for the Board of Education and mm-hmm. for District 1. I was on there and I was very uh, pleased and honored by that. Um, but at the Howard County branch of NAACP is, uh, it's blessed by having uh, the local president is also the state council president, Mr. Mm-hmm. Willie Flowers. Um, and he's been using his time and his, uh, his privilege as president to bring up and discuss things during meetings to look forward to how do we fund uh, school. Um, actually, we were discussing this even before the pandemic lockdown had come up because as the uh, Kerwin funding was being discussed, it, even without the COVID-related impacts, we knew that there's a budget issue. Mm-hmm. How do we address that? And the NAACP is looking at that locally, working to already brainstorm uh, possible solutions of uh, coming up with new revenue streams, things that we can direct into the school system mm-hmm. to provide for uh, the funding that we need, whether that's um, and the capital investment that uh, Howard County schools really need our ventilation systems were woefully in a, uh, inadequate and need replaced and upgraded even before bringing up the question of what sort of filtering and ventilation is required for safe large groups in an age of COVID. Um, but so it, it was a real honor to have uh, them support me since they're currently making it uh, one of their missions locally is to find ways to help identify and fund the schools. Um, with the recent uh, changeover of the leadership of the Maryland uh, legislature, um, Mr. Flowers was mentioning that this is a time that we might be able to look into adjusting uh, various laws regarding alcohol in the state to see if can we capture some of uh, the market and interest there to redirect it and fund it into uh, the school system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's an interesting uh, uh, solution that's w- worth looking into further and finding out various people's details and uh, suggestions on it. But the, the underlying aspect of as a community organization looking to see the, how can we find solutions to our public problems mm. that then we can bring to policymakers and uh, really move forward that way. It, it's an important, effective way to be a participant in the community, to identify the concerns of the community and provide solution suggestions. And I'm really glad that uh, they're a part of that. I 
find it very valuable every time I get to join and participate in their meetings. And I'm very pleased and uh, humbled and very glad to be able to tell you that I was recommended by the Howard County branch of the NAACP. And fantastic. Breaking news here on Forward Maryland. That's right. That's right. An exclusive. I love it. Maybe our first. Uh, Matthew, I, I know we have about, you know, we're, we're uh, about 12 minutes from the top of the hour. And, and I, I think at least two of us turn into a pumpkin at, at the top of the hour. So um, I wanted to ask you, and this may not be enough time to give this question justice, but I cannot help. But uh, scroll up and down my social media platforms of choice and see a thing about this uh, Howard County Public School System backward learning survey that's due October the 23rd. And we have talked so much about things pandemic related tonight uh, that it seems silly that we, we don't ask a direct question about the pandemic, and which is, you know, um, you know, where, where are you uh, in terms of, you know, as, as you're elected to the school board, you'll start serving in December. And uh, what are your thoughts about hybrid learning? And, uh, you know, what would be your posture in terms of being able to make the best decisions uh, for the school system regarding, uh, you know, the possibility of kids going back to the classroom? Okay. Um... Well, I'd, I received that same email uh, today, and as a parent, I've already filled in and provided my response back. Um, my interpretation of what they were surveying about um, resulted in me answering that, yes, if they get something in place that's um, workable, I'd, my kids would... Um, attended it based on the knowing that it's not a binding commitment and I still have the chance to assess what the facts are on the ground uh, later and that my kids would not be uh, riding on the bus uh, sort of relating to what we've already discussed with the environment of the buses and had students uh, needing to take it on themselves to abide by their the social distancing and responsible uh, group behavior. It'd be a little best to drive for uh, the moment while I'm able to. Uh, but as far as your question of providing the assessment as a board member, um, part of that I will withhold comment on uh, because with these sorts of uh, plans and options, the school system, the administration central office um, does a lot of time looking into the contingencies and the planning and the reaching out to various stakeholders and really involving. And then as they had done um, over the summer for discussion of the first semester, they will produce multiple plans, which will then be brought to the board to decide which ones to either 
exclude or one to approve or one to use as a basis to then approve with amendments, which if you remember, that is how the situation that we currently got to uh, was accomplished. The school system had brought forward three plans and after hearing a lot of the questions that were given about them, they decided that one of them was not uh, going to be sufficient. It was had too many issues that were being brought up about it. It got removed. And then after some work sessions the next month when it came up again, there were amendments made by the board and then it was approved. Um, so I don't want to dig in too much as to what sort of specific options I'd want them to bring or what uh, specific vote on it I would take because it's going to end up uh, coming before the board as a multitude of decisions for them to make that have been researched by a wide range of um, experts and stakeholders. And the board will use uh, those options to direct their path forward. Um, I look forward to seeing that as it plays out. And um, no, I, I find that a great answer because because another another uh, you know there are so many variables, right? And and who knows by December where we'll even be with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I thank you for a thoughtful response to that question. Um, Matthew, this has been a pleasure. We're very glad to have had you on again. Uh, you have run through the gauntlet twice unscathed, uh, three more times until that five-timer jacket heads your way. Um, is, there, is there anything you want to say in closing? Um, just that the election is coming up, um, early voting begins on October 26th, and whether it's sending in a mail-in ballot, whether it's putting your mail-in ballot in the drop box, whether it's early voting, or whether it's election day, go vote. Oh, even if, unfortunately, you might decide that I'm not your candidate of choice, please vote. It is an important and critical aspect of our system of government, of our community input. It is how we pick our leaders. It's how we demonstrate the values that we wanna move forward on. So to everybody, go vote. Um, and please take some time to go to elect.maliette.com. You can read up more on me as a candidate, what I value, what I wanna accomplish, or uh, volunteer or donate. This, uh, this election's coming up very quickly and there's a lot of chance that you can still help out, join in. Um, we have um, a plan to make it to 10,000 more doors before election day. So anybody that can come out and join in that for 30 or 50 or 100, it's very well uh, appreciated. Go ahead, go to my website, volunteer, and we'll put you to work. Awesome. 
That was great, Matthew. Matthew, thank you very much. Jason, as always, a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, we will be back on Saturday with uh, interviewing representatives from Howard County Harvest United and learn more about the work they do. So for Jason Boones, my name is Bill Woodcock. You have been watching or listening to Forward Maryland. Have a great night, everybody. Take care. Oh, cool. Oh, I think, I think Matthew left. <laughs>